You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Najee Harris is now running with the confidence knowing that the holes are there mm-hmm. with his offensive line. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to everyone in Steeler Nation and welcome to the Saverin on Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Stan Saverin. We post up here twice weekly. Hope you um, find the post enjoyable Steeler content uh, from the inside with several outstanding guests. If you do, please continue to do so. You can go to Steelers.com and download the podcast. It's free for you there on Steelers.com. You can tell your friends, family, neighbors, whomever uh, about the podcast. We begin to spread the word, getting some positive reviews. So that's always a good thing. So I appreciate you being with us at this moment. The Steelers do just enough to beat the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, I think that the keynote in the victory over the Falcons this past Sunday was that they are getting better. They're improving, not by A to Z, but A to L or M or however you want to phrase it. They're getting better in a lot of different areas. I think when you look at the victory over the Falcons, one could say that if they had played like they did, let's say, a month ago, five weeks ago, they don't win that game. But the things that help them win that game against the Falcons are things that they have improved steadily upon. First and foremost, the run game. The running game has really come not just to be a change of pace. It has gone from being an actual liability to just a change of pace because you have to run the ball some to an absolute weapon. They rushed for 154 yards on Sunday, 4.2 yards per carry. Breaking it down individually, Najee Harris, overall his best day, not in terms of total yardage, But in terms of effectiveness, 86 yards, 17 carries, 5.1 yards per carry. That is winning football. You add in 24 yards on six carries by Benny Snell as the backup to give Najee a bit of a break. Jalen Warren only only one carry because they were kind of nursing him back to health, but he did see more playing time than that. The running game was able to control the game for big portions of that game. Maybe the most important numbers to me were not the individual numbers or even the collective numbers, but two numbers in particular. They ran the ball 37 times. They passed it 28. Now, normally when coaches say, well, we want a balanced offense, they're talking a 50-50 split down the middle. But given the fact that you're dealing with a rookie quarterback who's learning the game as he goes, at least at the pro level, who's learning to read defenses, being in game situations, 
the more support that you can give him at the early stages of his career, the better off you as a team are going to be. And so it's not 50-50, it's an overbalance, maybe about 60-40 at this point. I think 55-45 run over pass would be the best way to go. Now, if you have Ben in his prime, you'd want it the other way. But this is not Ben in his prime. This is a rookie learning his way. No matter how talented he was at Pitt, no matter how much he seems to be improving, and more than seems to, he is, you still want to protect him. And one of the ways you're able to do that is by running the ball more frequently and more successfully. There's no doubt in my mind that that running game is the biggest reason for them having won two in a row and three of the last four. And what leads also to the second set of numbers that were so impressive to me is that for the second week in a row, the Steelers dominated in time of possession. They certainly did. They had the ball two-thirds of the time against Indy. And against Atlanta, they had it 33 minutes, and Atlanta had it 28 rounding some numbers off. That's a good disparity. You want the football in your hands. Because not only does it aid you in offense, does it enable your quarterback to make safer throws. You know, you're not being second and nine all the time or third and seven. But it also protects your defense to a degree because they're not on the field. I think it's fair to say that if the Steeler offense had not ground out about four of the remaining five and a half minutes of that game, they might very well have lost it because you saw how Atlanta was running the football on a tired Steeler defense. And who's to say if Atlanta had been given ample opportunity with that much time on the clock, it wouldn't have happened again. The Steelers certainly weren't going to get any fresher. And indeed, the biggest stand they made was limiting Atlanta to a field goal instead of a touchdown that made it 19-16. They go in for a touchdown, all of a sudden, you're down a point. So the offense's ability to move the ball primarily on the ground was a huge issue. Kenny Pickett is getting better. That's absolutely evident. He's still a bit cautious in his approach, but little by little, you can see him being more assertive. I see less timidity. I think he's more confident, and he'll continue to be that way given the structure of the offense. It comes in fits and starts. It's like a turtle poking his head out of the shell, takes a look around, and the more he deals with a positive result, the more willing he's going to be to expand and spread his wings. I think that's what he's seeing right now. He's definitely being more assertive, I think he's recognizing things more quickly, getting the ball out, and having a definite idea of where he wants to go with the ball. Now, there are some receivers who apparently disagree with his thought process. George Pickens, I think, unacceptably displayed his emotions Sunday in the Georgia Dome. I understand, I think, where he was coming from. It was homecoming for him. He had... You know, he's an hour away from his campus at Athens, Georgia. He had some great moments in that Georgia Dome against Atlanta. uh, Excuse me, against, um, in his Super Bowl performance against Alabama. Well, not his Super Bowl performance, but his national championship performance. I'll get it here. And I think with family and friends there, he expected to have a big game to show 
what he can do. And I empathize with that. I think who among us would say, well, that's unreasonable. No, it's, it's not unreasonable at all. And when things weren't working out his way, he reacted in a manner that I thought was unbecoming. It doesn't do him any good, doesn't do the team any good. Hopefully this will be a learning process. His assistant coach had to talk to him on the bench. Cam Hayward, the undisputed leader of this team, came over and talked to him on the bench and said, sure, we're all frustrated from time to time, but how about taking the attitude, this is me speaking, not Cam Hayward, how about being happy about the fact we're winning? How about being happy about the fact that you can make a contribution by being a decoy sometimes? We understand you want the ball. Wide receivers generally do. That's what they're there for. But putting out a temper tantrum is not the way to go about it. What the Steelers do with Deontay Johnson, that's a different story. He continues to underperform uh, and thus underachieve. 11 targets, 5 catches. Just not good enough. Two drops. He did pick up a first down, didn't do that reverse dance that he sometimes does, the reverse moonwalk short of the first down marker. But the drops are concerning. He had another pre-snap penalty. Last year, he led the NFL wide receivers in penalties with nine. He's still a good receiver. He gets open. That is true. But getting targets and not having them turn into catches is meaningless, whether you're open or not. He's got to be better. Because given the money they paid him, they're not getting their money's worth. And if he is beginning to benefit from teams being aware of George Pickens, he's got to start taking advantage of that. And vice versa, he's got to understand that because of the different nature of Pickens' skills, that maybe Deontay Johnson's not going to get the ball as often as he's accustomed to getting it. That needs to change if the Steelers, as some hope, may charge to the playoffs. To me, it's still a long way off. Bare minimum, they'd have to win four of the last five. The schedule is favorable, no question. And they may have gotten a break if Lamar Jackson's not able to play Sunday against Baltimore. But they're still behind teams, a lot of teams to climb over. And then there will be the question asked, well, they make the playoffs, let's say at 9-8, and eight, playing this way, eking out wins against sub-500 teams like Indy or Atlanta. How would they match up against the top teams, Kansas City, Buffalo, maybe even Cincinnati? Is there value in that? I think there's some, but I can think I can understand why people don't want that to happen. Game by game, as Mike Tomlin always says, the arrows pointed up. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? 
I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. They are getting better. We're joined now by Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. And Jerry, um, there's no doubt that this football team, looking back at the last month, they are getting better. Well, Stan, I think their entire offense is getting better. Uh, And I know were, were uh, uh, coming from a low bar uh, because they still only have scored 19 points. Um, but I think the biggest problem, um, and while we're seeing progress, the passing game, converting third downs, no interceptions, the running game has been very, very good um, these last four or five games, uh, but they're not converting field position into touchdowns, and it's keeping the game close. That's why Matthew Wright had to kick four field goals. So I don't think there's any question from uh, a movement standpoint, passing and running. Uh, I think the play calling has been very smooth. Um, I haven't had an issue with it at all. But what the next step is for this offense is to convert field position into touchdowns because, let's face it, they only have eight touchdown passes on the season. And, and no explosive plays. I mean, explosive touchdowns offensively. That's going to be the next step for this offense. But I don't think there's any question that they're making progress. What's the biggest drawback in not getting into the end zone? Is it picket? Is it um, sort of the structure of the offense, not wanting to put in positions where he has to make a risky play? Um, is it wide receivers not getting open um, when there's limited space down there? Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say exactly what it is. Um, it's probably a little bit of all that. Um, I would say most of it probably has to do uh, with the passing game. I think what we're seeing with Kenny Pickett is, you know, no interceptions in the last four games. I think he's playing very smart. Now, that may be another word for cautious. Um, you know, not wanting to turn the ball over in the red zone. So maybe just being, you know, maybe being a little cautious there and not wanting to take a chance, um, I think that's probably a part of it as well. Um, so I think it's a number of things, Stan, but that, that could be the biggest one. When we talk about the running game, they obviously have improved a great deal. Uh, as you look at it, Jerry, one of the things that stuck out to me was the balance. 37 runs versus 28 passes. Normally, when coaches talk about balance, we'd like to keep it 50-50. But given the fact that you've got a young quarterback who's just learning his way and, and finding his way, that kind of mix of 37 runs versus 28 passes seems to me to be ideal, even if it tilts towards the run more than maybe you'd like to structure it. 
Uh, Stan, I couldn't agree more, and I think that's the way it should be. Uh, you know, it's it, the last couple games we haven't seen the 44 attempts that Kenny Pickett was averaging, uh, you know, in games where he started and finished. And, and the, re- the reason is because the, of the success they've been having with the running game. And, you know, when you see each of those guys having success, there is no question, Stan. We hear the people talk about crediting the offensive line. You cannot give them enough credit for the way they perform. That's why all those guys are having success running the ball. It's not that they're just magically coming around. It's because there are holes there. And Najee Harris is now running with the confidence knowing that the holes are there mm-hmm. with his offensive line. And that was as that was as well as he has run in any game this year, hitting the hole quick, hitting it with power, hitting it with confidence and determination. You know, there was he had a 14-yard run, yeah. But he had 86 yards, I think, was the number. And, and you know, all that was without an explosive run, you know, a 20-yard-plus run. That was five, six, seven yards at a time. He called it a hard 86 yards after the game, and that's exactly what it was. And um, he ran very, very well. But you, to me, you cannot give that offensive line enough credit for how they progressed and how they're playing. Agreed, without question. I think that was the uh, hope all along that this would occur. They're a different team now. Uh, is it safe to say that um, if they had played like they did in like any week four, week five, that they might not have won this game? But the fact that they have progressed in that regard enabled them to win this game, albeit against a lesser light opponent. Well, I think I think uh, part of of kind of what you were getting at is the exact reason why they are is because, you know, Stan, it's been continuity. And when you look at it, I mean, they've been, they've been, um, they stayed injury free for the most part. And this line has played together just about every snap. I know Mason Cole went out for a little bit. Uh, Kevin Dotson had a little issue for a little while, but they've been intact for the most part. 95 to 99% of the time, and that's been a big, big difference because they're all playing together, they're staying healthy, and the continuity uh, shows uh, in the way they're playing. And I think that's a really big key that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of different line combinations of people trying to work together. It's been the same five guys for the most part, every game, every snap. That's a major factor without question. Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette is our guest. Uh, Jerry, was there any locker room reaction that you could ascertain uh, about George Pickens perhaps um, uh, emoting improperly on the field or his frustration at not being more involved in the offense? You know, Stan, I have no use for George Pickens' behavior. He is a rookie. He has no right. He has done nothing to merit that type of behavior. And when you're a rookie, you don't act like that. I don't see Pat Fryermuth acting that way. Pat Fryermuth is getting... Uh, he is getting what targets he gets. He's making the catches, and he's not complaining. I didn't see Heath Miller complaining about that. Uh, you know, Deontay Johnson has complained too, but he seems to have handled it a little better lately, and he should. He's a three-year veteran or four-year veteran, whatever he is. Uh, George Pickens has no right to act like that because I don't see him getting uh, into the end zone repeatedly or being the guy who's, uh, you know, leading the league in receptions and they're ignoring him. Um, I just, as I, I don't have a, like I said, I don't have much use for that kind of behavior from a rookie because he has not earned the right to act that way. Not that acting that way is acceptable, 
but for a rookie to act that way, it is highly unacceptable. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, without question. I couldn't agree more. Was there any intel uh, coming from either Pickens or Hayward or anybody else on what Cam Hayward said to him on the bench? It was on camera. Everybody saw it. Yeah, no, Stan, I didn't uh, because I, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to Cam uh, about that. Um, and, you know, Stan, there's, there's a part of me that doesn't want to even recognize that behavior and, and lend any significance to it by asking about it. Now, that's me personally as a, as a, or professionally as a, as a reporter. So if, if I start asking about it, I'm acknowledging and, and that behavior, and I refuse to do that because I just think it's unacceptable to begin with. It has no impact on anybody other than him making him look immature and childish, which, of course, he is. So in terms of it impacting the team or anything like that, no. You know what most of those guys do? They either roll their eyes or tell them to shut up. My favorite story from Antonio Brown ever about Heath Miller was the time Antonio Brown admitted he was complaining so much in the huddle that Heath Miller said to him, Heath Miller, Antonio, shut the bleep up. That's about <laughs> the extent of, 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 what that, of what all that means. And the, the guys get accustomed to that. And, again, they basically just roll their eyes and, and, and are dismissive of it. By the and way, they, I'm sure Cam, I'm sure Cam, uh, you know, just said something to him, maybe to settle him down, but it it doesn't impact or affect any of those guys. You would not have been aware of this, but I thought that the TV broadcasters made a much bigger issue out of this. They, uh, I'm sure they did. Their their producer uh, sensed the storyline there, and he persisted. It reminded me of on draft day when there's usually one guy whose stock is drop, dropping, he's either there in the green room or he's at home, and they keep going. They make it a storyline. They make it a story. Um, uh, going as far back as when Dan Marino lasted that long before the Dolphins to, uh, took him, that's what I thought uh, the, uh, KDK, or the CBS announcers did yesterday. They're not KDK. They're CBS announcers. Right, right. The other side of that coin is Deontay Johnson. Um, 11 targets, only five receptions, um, two drops. Um, he always seems to be open, but he seldom seems to make a play. Um, they committed to him financially. Um, are they getting their money's worth out of this guy? And does that mean that maybe Pickens is right? Maybe they ought to be paying more attention to him than Deontay Johnson. Well, Stan, um, they're not getting the production out of him in terms of $39 million. And I'm sorry for the noise, Dan. I'm standing outside the airport. Um, the funny thing about Deontay Johnson, or the curious thing about him, is no receiver works harder than Deontay Johnson or pays more attention to pass-catching drills for a veteran than Deontay Johnson. No receiver gets open more or like Deontay Johnson, and yet his failure to make plays and drop passes is really astonishing. Um, and, and, you know, he's a natural catcher of the ball, and yet he doesn't look it anymore. He looks like a guy who fights the ball. His one drop actually turned out to be a fortuitous drop. Otherwise, it was a fumble and they, at the 27-yard line, which ends up being a drop for him. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's just, I, I mean, I don't think there's any question Kenny Pickett as a rookie is probably more comfortable with the other guys. But we had this discussion on the pregame show, who's the guy in a pinch that um, Kenny Pickett is going to rely on, George Pickens or Deontay Johnson? And I said neither. 
He relies on Pat Fryermuth, and he proved it again yesterday. Two third-down conversion catches on that opening drive, and then that 57-yarder, and he missed them. He missed them on um, on the touchdown catch, on the throw that would have been a 28-yard touchdown down the seam. Yep. Um, so that's the guy he looks to and relies on because that's the guy who finds a way to get open and, more importantly, catches the ball. And that's the guy Kenny Pickett is going to look to in tough situations, much the way and, and much the way Patrick Mahomes looks to Travis Kelsey. I'm not calling him Travis Kelsey. I'm just saying that is the guy that Kenny Pickett relies on in a similar manner. I would agree. Jerry, thanks for hanging with us on your travel day. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow at the Mike Tomlin press conference. You got it, Stan. Always good chatting with you, my friend. Our thanks to Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and a member of the pregame show on the Steelers radio network, which, by the way, this coming Sunday, 11 o'clock pregame, 1 o'clock kickoff against the Baltimore Ravens. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to Savern on Steelers podcast. You can get it at Steelers.com. Please tell your friends, neighbors, family that you found a site that you enjoy listening to. Hopefully that's the case. You can also listen to me daily on my daily radio show on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 a.m., noon until 2 Eastern Time. Uh, if you can't listen to it live, you can get it at the iHeart Media app. Just download that. It's free and it's there for you every day from noon until 2. Until next time, thanks for being here today. We'll talk to you next time on the Savern on Steelers podcast. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.